0: Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at bmb21. Now on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, pretty excited to try a new experiment today. I want to talk about two large positions of mine, both of which I added to this week, and I'll get into why I added them just shortly. But those positions are Nintendo and National Cinemedia. So I'm going to start with Nintendo. So, on Nintendo, I won't bury the headline. I think Switch sales have really been driving the story recently. They've gone from inception in March 2017 to 71 million units today. Um, In the last six months, it's done about 10 million units. Uh, Worth reading a tweet from Matt Piscatello, who covers the video game sector. He writes, and this was on January 15th, Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware platform in units and dollars for both December and the 2020 year. Annual dollar sales of Switch hardware were the second-highest for a platform in US history. Only the 2008 dollar sales of Nintendo Wii were higher. So the Switch, by any measure, has been a massive success. So worth noting this comps really well to the previous year. So for the six months ended September 30th, 2020, obviously somewhat COVID enabled. But Nintendo writes in their consolidated operating results. Hardware and software sales both rose on a year-over-year basis, with hardware sales reaching 12.5 million units. This is an 81% increase year-over-year. And software sales reaching 100 million units. This is a 71% increase year-over-year. So not many companies out there that have divisions that are growing by 70 and 80%. Pretty impressive. Worth noting, this is dropping to the bottom line, too. So Ordinary Profit, the company reports on their consolidated financial highlights, 85 million yen for the six months ended uh, September 30th, 2019. For the six months ended, September 30th, 2020, 297 million yen. So, again, pretty impressive. This is a a 3x plus increase. Um, They raised financial forecasts. They raised the dividend. So, Nintendo feeling pretty confident, more confident than it was, um, you know, for the, the period ending September 30th. So, they reported that November 5th. What's happened since then? Well, you know from the quote I read earlier that December was a really good month for Nintendo. The Switch outsold the new PS5 and Xbox consoles, and that's just on the hardware side. On the software side, remember that Nintendo has and continues to have some of the best selling titles. So Animal Crossing is one that really stands out. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield are new titles that are expected to do pretty well. I know on the Pokemon Go mobile game, they've been advertising the heck out of Sword and Shield. And then Bowser's Fury and a couple more titles are going to land in 2021. One of the most notable is is Pokemon Snap, which for those of you who remember playing that um, back in the 2000s, very popular game. Um, I think in the current Instagram uh, photogenic era, that should do even better. So why now? So I wouldn't be recommending this stock if I thought expectations were extraordinarily high and it would be difficult for it to live up to the growth expectations. So I don't think that's the case. So as of now, Nintendo, which you have to remember, is an ADR, so it trades on American exchanges as nt The market cap is 8.4 trillion yen. So to, the conversion actually isn't that difficult to do. It's about a thousandth of the dollar. So we're looking at about an 80 billion dollar market cap. Profit expectations are about $440 million for 2021. The company actually put uh, put it out themselves. So you, know, you they're usually fairly conservative. Japanese companies' management often is, is much more conservative than American companies are. So by that estimate, it's about 19 times forward earnings. I think Nintendo probably should be able to beat that $440 million profit estimate. Uh, that's where the year ended, March um, 2021. So we've already done about half of it. Um, But I I feel pretty confident that that valuation isn't crazy uh, for a company that has as many growth opportunities as them. Um, I don't think it's crazy to think that Nintendo could keep growing at a a 20 or 25% uh, plus K. You're obviously way outperformed that this year. Um, So some of that growth... Some of you have probably read about the new Nintendo theme parks. Uh, There's going to be a big opening in Japan in February um, that should come to America um, during this year. They're going to play in the media space, so they kind of entered there um, with the uh detective pikachu movie a couple years ago a mario movie is going to happen and there are rumors of a link show on netflix how much incremental revenue and profits should this add you know i don't have good answers to that right now but i do consider them drivers of the stock because they are relatively new business lines uh, that perhaps will make people view them more so as a disney or as you know an owner of valuable ip as opposed to a console maker that's cyclical in nature It's not like the stock has underperformed the last couple months so for the last six months of about 40 percent. for the last one month it's actually slightly down so it's interesting if you compare nintendo to sony activision blizzard and microsoft and these are not necessarily fair comps activision blizzard is just a game maker they don't make consoles and sony and microsoft obviously play in various other businesses all that said in the last month or so Sony's up about 4%, Activision Blizzard up about 5%, Microsoft up about 2%, Mac, uh, Nintendo in comparison down 83 bips. We know for a fact from ETF trade data that Kathy Woods funds the ARK Innovation ETF, so ARKK, has been acquiring shares of Nintendo in the 70s. Um, big hat tip to Phil Andrews, who runs the site, cathiesark.com. Uh, uh, He's also on the podcast, so recommends giving that episode a listen. So since Kathy has acquired those shares, not a whole lot has changed. The Nintendo story, I will note, if you look at the company's investor relations, so on January 5th, they announced they acquired a Canadian software developer, Next Level Games. So that company makes the Luigi's Mansion series and some other games, but shows Nintendo um, is deploying capital, investing in content. Um, So we'll see how that acquisition pans out, but Luigi's Mansion has done fairly well. uh, So that seems like a pretty value-add acquisition for them. They also announced they're going to be reporting earnings February 1st for the nine months ended um, in December. So we have earnings coming up. I never really recommend trading into earnings, but in this case, you know, I, I do think they're probably gonna have a pretty spectacular Q4. We know, again, from the um, data I talked about earlier, that the holiday season was probably pretty solid for Nintendo, so that's about it for Nintendo. Uh, quickly wanna to touch on National Cinemedia, specifically a Wall Street Journal article that came out that made people a little bit concerned. All right, let's get into the big news on national city media. So the Wall Street Journal on the 21st of January released an article under pro bankruptcy distress titled movie theater ad company national city media taps lawyers for debt talks. The cinema advertising company is struggling after the temporary closure of most U.S. movie theaters. So, you actually have to have a Wall Street Journal subscription to read this whole article, which I do. I do not recommend getting one to read this article because although I'm a huge WSJ fan, shame on them for putting out this article with essentially no information. So. The basically only meaningful paragraph in this article is the second one. So it reads National City Media has hired law firm Davis, Polk, and Wardle LLP to advise on negotiations with senior lenders, some of which have tapped law firm Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher LLP to represent them. The people said National City Media didn't respond to requests for comments. So, based on the title of this article and the section it's in, which again is pro bankruptcy distress, you would think that National City Media has some potential of defaulting. However, if you were to actually read their third quarter earnings transcript, you would get a very different picture. So let's go to the third quarter earnings transcript. So, a couple quotes in here that are going to be useful for us. So, one is about NCM LLC. Again, that is the operating company where the debt lives. That's what's relevant for this discussion, because the Holdco is not where the debt is. It's the Opco, NCM LLC. If you look at NCMI's financials, you'll see a cash balance that doesn't tie to the number I'm about to read. That's because it combines the cash balance at the Opco and Holdco. We only care about the Opco here. So I continue. NCM LLC currently has a cash balance of approximately $137.5 million and $7.5 million receivable balance that should continue to build through the remainder of twenty and 2021. We have a monthly cash burn rate of $11 million, including our debt service cost. This monthly burn is expected to continue through Q4 until revenue levels begin to pick up towards the end of the quarter and receivables on the new revenue begin to get collected. So, again, this, this company is saying they have $137.5 million of cash. The market cap is still under half a billion. I mean, this is a lot of cash. Cash burn's pretty small. So, we're looking at, you know, whatever, 13.7 times, um, roughly, the, the cash burn. So, also meaningful here. Um As the pandemic got started, the company anticipated kind of what impact it was going to have with their business, so they renegotiated with their lenders. So they got this debt waiver, Um, and as part of the waiver, uh, which changed some of their uh, debt leverage covenants to make them a little bit more lenient, um, they have to maintain a minimum liquidity of $55 million. So they're talking about this minimum liquidity covenant, um, and I want to read you a little bit about what they said about it. So... We will continue to work with our bankers to ensure that we remain in compliance with our agreements. Our current cash balance, you guys know this, is $137.5 million plus $7.5 million accounts receivable, assuming our average $9 million to $9.5 million per cash per month cash burn rate after debt service payments when theaters were closed last summer, and we were not recording any in-theater revenue. So again, this is the most draconian forecast. They're not assuming any in-theater revenue. We have a liquidity runway of 15 months before the consideration of the bank debt liquidity minimum financial covenant. So 15 months before this is a problem. My expectation of what I think is happening here is the banks know this, even though we're talking about 15 months, and again, that was in November, so it's really more like a year. Um, the banks are kind of forcing, attempting to force NCMI's hand, which really doesn't have to do anything, but to them, it's probably a free call option. Maybe we can extract the higher interest rate. Maybe we can extract some type of concession to get a little bit more bang for our buck. I don't think NCMI has to do anything here. They're probably engaging lawyers out of an abundance of caution, but just to be clear... There's, they're not close to bankruptcy at all. Again, this is a company with, if you include receivables, 150 million, close to $150 million in cash and a cash burn rate that's you know anywhere from 9 and a half to $11 million, probably less because they probably are making some revenue because more theaters have opened. So again, that Wall Street Journal article, I think, extremely misleading headline. Why did uh, NCMI engage lawyers? Again, I think abundance of caution. I think banks are probably trying to get them to concede something. But unfair to jump to conclusions. Stock, interestingly, uh, midday after this news was announced, was down about 7%. But then in the second half of the day, went all the way back to even. So you know, apparently the equity holders of national City media have pretty strong hands, myself included. To me, the only way I would sell this stock is if the movie thesis uh, materially changed and it looked like there was no chance we were gonna be open for multiple years. I don't think that's fairly likely. I think to be right on this, I'll just restate that as long as blockbusters come back to theaters in the next year and a half or so, so it doesn't even have to be 2021 could be 2022. I think this is a super undervalued stock. Again, if it gets anywhere close to the $200 million in free cash flow it used to make and it could be 100, the free cash flow yield is insane. This company could raise the dividends. It's already an 8% dividend. So, feel continue to feel good about National Cinema Media. I, I think, you know, and this is true uh, because the stock didn't really react to this news ultimately, you know, did in the, the middle of the day. Uh, anyone who holds the equity has to have strong hands, that clearly is the case. Um, you have to kind of fade the general consensus that movie theaters are dead. If you're comfortable with doing it, I recommend Owning, I think it's a, a great contrarian play. I have no intention of selling, I'm really excited to see what they say in their next couple of earnings calls. So National cinema Media again, um, not reacting to headlines, having strong conviction, and continuing to follow the thesis. But that's about it for this episode. Um, Nintendo and National Cinemedia added to both positions. Pretty excited about what each is going to be able to do in the future. Um, And I'll continue to update you on these names as anything changes. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit PostCoronaStocks.com.